Good morning. This morning's reading is from the sixth chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the saints. Thanks, Andrew. I'm going to pray uh, before we take a a little bit of a closer look at that passage. Gracious Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, You're very kind to us that you have preserved it are down through the centuries and that we have the immense privilege of being able to read it and by your spirit be moved to know you and to love you better and ask that that might be the case for us all this morning. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Often what we care about, we fight for, right? Uh, A couple of years ago I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to get a six-pack. I'm going to work at uh, making sure I can have defined muscles on my stomach <coughs> and I really committed to it uh, but uh, the only six pack that I have at the moment is well what they can get at the moment is a pack of mineral water at Coles um, didn't really work out uh, clearly I didn't really want it that much and it certainly wasn't uh, a life or death situation no one was uh, saying get a six pack or your family dies uh, if that was the case I may have literally died trying uh, but at least I would have tried because, well, I, I care a lot about my family. Uh, and I'm sure that we care a lot about uh, that too, about your family, but I'm sure you care a lot about other things, uh, someone or something, something that we'd fight for, even die for. So what is it that you are fighting for? What's the thing that if it was taken from you, you'd be absolutely devastated? What are you working hard to keep or or to be good at. Because as believers in Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul, he reckons that we need to be fighting for something, uh, which is where we're going today. Uh, Firstly, looking at what God wants us to fight for, uh, why to fight for it, and then finally, how, how to fight for it. So, first up, what? Uh, What does God want us to fight for? Well, God wants us to fight to be strong in Jesus. That's that's what he wants. But a bit of background first to uh, this letter of Ephesians. Uh, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, uh, the church in Ephesus at the time. Uh, he starts the letter talking about uh, how all who believe in Jesus have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And he unpacks that. He unpacks the wonder of Jesus. He spells out our desperate need for Jesus 
because we're actually spiritual zombies who can't save ourselves, but how God in his grace wants to save us through Jesus' death on that cross for our sins and his resurrection from the dead for our new eternal life. He wants to save us for a life of living and loving others by God's grace and, well, by God's grace now and then eternally uh, in Jesus. As Paul wraps up, uh, starts to wrap up his letter then, here in chapter 6, uh, we get to what we want, what God wants from us. And so in verse 10 we said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Uh, Paul says where to be strong. Strong in the Lord. Not in our abilities, not in our accomplishments, but in the strength of the Lord Jesus' might. In what he's mightily done and is mightily doing for us. Because Jesus' strength, it's real, enduring strength. His might and, and what he's accomplished uh, for us in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, God's forgiveness, for instance, uh, the hope of life forever with him, that is going to last forever. Forever. And nothing and no one can take this away from us. Not even our own stupid sinfulness can take this away from us. Death can't even take it away from us. Jesus and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is ours forever. Our world uh, talks of soulmates. You've probably heard the phrase uh, that for every Bella... There's an Edward for every Meghan Markle. There's a Prince Harry for every Claire Randall. There's a Jamie Fraser. Uh, and for every Anna, there's a, an Elsa. Uh, that there's this one person who's perfect for you, your soulmate, uh, which we're told the universe and time and space must bend to bring you together because with them you can climb every mountain, suffer all things and still be content and, and happy all because you've got your soul, mate. But it's a lie. As much as Hollywood might try to sell it, there's no such person on this planet, sorry. Because everyone gets sick and dies. No matter how good it might be with someone, it can never last. And yet, rightly, our hearts crave something like this, this everlasting happiness with someone. But for that hope to happen, that someone has to be everlasting themselves. And of course, the only everlasting one is the physical and historical resurrected Jesus, the one who is ever living. He is our only soulmate, the only one who can satisfy our eternally hungry hearts, the only one who deserves our worship. And so here and now, it makes total sense to be strengthened in him and in his might to know him and to treasure him more and more and to fight for that. That's actually the best thing for our soul. So that's that's the what of what God wants for us, to be strengthened in Jesus and in his might. And I'll give you a good reason why, because it's the best thing for you, but Paul goes on to tell us another reason why. To be strengthened in Jesus it's so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. So, uh, he goes on, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, we'll come back to the uh, armour of God later as the how, but the why is pretty clear. It's so that we can stand against the devil's schemes and against the devil's minions, the rulers and authorities and spiritual forces of evil. Now, there's a couple of assumptions there. First, that there's a devil and uh, spiritual forces of evil, and second, that they're scheming against us. Despite many people treating uh, you know, evil spirits and devil as a bit of a joke, you know, wearing devil horns to parties or domesticating the devil into some endearing Disney-esque character like the popular TV show Lucifer, the Bible is actually unapologetic uh, about the devil being real, but not just uh, real in the forces of evil, the spiritual forces of evil as real, but as dangerous. Uh, Jesus, who I'm guessing most would say was a very spiritual and wise man, uh, had no problem acknowledging their existence and their malevolent power. Now, the Bible says that the devil's prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, to consume them, to suck the, the humanity out of them, to suck the life out of them, the life out of people. And he does this by scheming. Uh, right back from the beginning, as the serpent in the garden, we see this. Uh, his scheme is to tempt people, tempt them to doubt God's words with lies. It's what he did from the beginning with Eve. You know, when he says, well, did God really say? He asks, oh, you'll, you won't surely die, Eve, despite what God says. And then he tempts Eve with the promise of, cool, of fool's God, you know, uh, fool, fool's gold, sorry. If you eat it, you'll be like God. And then as Adam and Eve fall for the lies and the false promises, along with their deceived descendants since, they suffer God's judgment for their sin and are enslaved to follow the devil instead. As Paul says earlier uh, in his letter to the Ephesians, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its evil desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Everyone is born, everyone born since Adam and Eve are born spiritually dead, dead in sin. They're spiritual zombies, endlessly deceived into following after their ruler, the devil, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, he's called here. Uh, and like zombies, only crave human flesh and death, so all those born in sin only crave what is shameful and stinks of death, whether that's fool's gold or indignant unbelief, saying by way they live, effectively one or two things. Either, oh, I'll make my own gods, or stuff you, God. All of which rightly deserves our God's righteous wrath and his judgment. But, but, Paul goes on to say, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus. And by faith in God's mercy in Jesus Christ, God has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. He's made spiritual zombies, the walking dead, 
He's made them alive in Christ. And he's taken us out of the realm of darkness under the rule of the devil and he's brought us into the realm of his son, Christ. We're no longer slaves to the devil in the realm of darkness. The devil's not got no claim on us anymore. His power to hold us and to condemn us has been taken away from him when Jesus died in our place and rose from the dead to make us right with God. We're eternally safe in Jesus. No matter how many times we've stuffed up or will stuff up, no matter how many times we fall into sin, no matter how awful that sin is, amazingly, Jesus' sacrifice covers it all. Covers it all. Right up until the day that we die. Or the day he comes again. Which is the day that he'll finally do away with the devil and his minions for good by throwing them into hell to suffer for all eternity there. But until then, although the devil and his minions can't hurt us eternally in that eternal sense, they're still dangerous and they're still powerful and they're close. Uh, The idea of struggle uh, that Paul talks about there in chapter 6, it's in verse 12, it possibly alludes to the idea of uh, wrestling, the sport of wrestling. Uh, the evil powers are close, wrestling with them, uh, breathing down our necks, so to speak, trying to get a foothold, foothold through things like uncontrolled anger, falsehood, stealing, filthy talk. These are things that uh, Paul mentions throughout his letter through tempting us to any behaviour or any attitude, in fact, that's characteristic of those who are living in the realm of darkness. And then making us despair uh, when we stuff up again, accusing us and condemning us and generally sucking the joy out of life with Jesus. Uh, when I was a, a kid, I got quite freaked out by the ultimate enemy in the, uh, f- the old film Never Ending Story. It's called The Nothing. The enemy's called The Nothing. Uh, if you haven't seen this film, don't bother. Uh, it's Anyway, the, the, the nothing in this film, it's the emptiness that remained when the hopes and dreams of people disappeared. Uh, it's the absence of anything good. I had a peek at uh, this film and uh, little bits of it that, that had the nothing in it during the week uh, just to check what it was like. It was really lame. Uh, but clearly as a kid it stuck in my brain, uh, this, this nothing character. And I reckon it's a good way actually to think about uh, the devil's scheming and what his schemes does. It pulls us, pulls people into the nothing. It swaps out what is good with the promise of something better that ultimately ends up undoing us. It gives us nothing good. And as it pulls us away from the one who is goodness himself, God. But God doesn't want this for us. He wants the best for us. He wants us to be strong uh, in the Lord Jesus so that we don't get sucked into the devil's schemes and fall into nothing good. And so he calls us to fight. Which is, it brings us to how. How do we fight to be strong in the Lord Jesus? Well, Paul tells us to stand firm in the armour of God. Verse 13, he says, Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be, may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And then he goes on to list uh, all the bits of armour to stand firm in. 
I know a guy who told me one day that every uh, every day in the morning, uh, in, his, in the shower, when he's taking a shower, he physically pretends to put on this armour. So he'd pretend to put on the belt of truth, buckle it around his waist. He'd uh, snap on the breastplate of righteousness and click it on. Uh, he'd strap on the sandals of the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. He'd fasten uh, the shield of faith on. Uh, he'd put the helmet of salvation while he's washing. Uh, and then he'd unsheath the uh, sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God. I'm not sure if he had like a wet Bible nearby um, yeah, in the shower with him. Uh, but but it's an image that uh, kind of stuck with me, uh, not of some nude dude uh, pretending to put armour on, but but the thought of uh, physically putting God's armour on. Now, uh, Paul, when he was writing this, he probably had a Roman soldier in mind when he when it was written. After all, he was hanging around them a lot towards the end of his ministry. Uh, but there's little doubt he was also thinking of the Old Testament scriptures, uh, his scriptures at the time particularly as they describe God or the promised Christ. So in the prophet Isaiah, uh, for instance, the Christ is described as having faithfulness as or truth as a belt around his waist, uh, that by the Spirit he will strike the earth with the word of his mouth, and uh, that God puts on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. Uh, now, Paul thinks that God's armour is found in God and in his Christ, in Jesus. So, how do we put Jesus on? How do we put the belt of truth on, for instance? Well, firstly, I reckon it's a couple of things. It's to stick to the truth of who God is in Christ Jesus, as we've been taught in the Bible. As Paul says earlier in his letter, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, uh, in the futility of their thinking, those who aren't trusting in God and don't believe in Jesus, you, however, didn't know, uh, come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. To buckle on the belt of truth then, it's to let your thinking be shaped by the truth that is in Jesus. That is the good news that Paul and the other apostles preached and taught and that the prophets of old anticipated, all of which has been wonderfully recorded for us in the Bible. You see, what we fill our heads with really makes a difference. If it's garbage in all the time, it's going to be garbage out or some fermented version of it, like bin juice. Uh, but if it's the Bible in, then it's the Bible out. Uh, in the things that we think about and the way that we talk and the things that we do. So let's stuff our heads with the Bible. Read it. Study it. Commit it to memory. Talk to each other about your reading. What's thrilling you about Jesus? What's thrilling you about uh, the God that is revealed in those pages? Do a theological course. Read a good book that stretches your mind and you're thinking about Jesus. Stuff your head with the truth in Jesus in the Bible. To do this is to stand firm in the day of evil when doubts or despair or sinful desires come knocking. So that's the belt of truth. But what about the breastplate of righteousness? How do we put that on? Well, I think it's to do a couple of things. First, it's to keep very close to your heart that Jesus laid down his righteous life for your unrighteous one to make you righteous before God. Through Jesus, God looks on you and he's smiling. 
Hold that close to your heart. In Jesus, you are righteous in God's eyes. You're the apple of his eye. You're pure and clean and you're a delight to him. It's the first thing. Second thing is to put off those things that belong to spiritual zombies, which we no longer are in Christ. You're a son and a daughter. If you're believing in Jesus, you're a son and daughter of the Almighty, whose love for you is vast. And so you can trust that his ways are the very best for you. You can trust that those rotten habits that you've got and those godless attitudes, uh, they're not just beneath you, they're bad for you and for those around about you. So Paul says, as Paul says early in this letter, put it, work at putting them off and putting on your new self in Jesus. Like putting off telling lies and putting off speaking and putting on speaking truthfully. Putting off uh, uncontrolled anger and putting on dealing with your anger in a godly way. Uh, putting off stealing and putting on uh, working responsibly so you've got stuff to give to those who are in need. To put on the breastplate of righteousness then is to be who we are in Christ, the righteous. And in this we'll be strengthening Jesus precisely so that we don't give the devil a a foothold. And then we're to strap, uh, stand firm with our feet fitted and strapped with the uh, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, uh, which is basically to be ready to share the gospel, to talk about Jesus. And that by doing this, we stand against the devil's schemes, not just in our own lives, but uh, in the lives of those that we talk to about Jesus. It was interesting uh, last week, as a number of us uh, caught up uh, from church chatting with uh, Igal Vendor, one of the uh, link missionaries that we support here at uh, Gossip PC. Uh, he, he reaches out to a, a number of Jews, fellow Jews in Israel, with the good news of Jesus and disciples them. Uh, and in his enthusiasm talking about that, he had a little bit of a go at us at one point. Uh, not unkindly, this is just challenging us on the importance and urgency of telling people about Jesus. That's what you do. (laughs) And it got me thinking, I wonder if that's on our agenda much at the moment. Uh, Not just because we might be out of practice after lockdown, but because we see it for what it is. Part of the armour of God given to us so that we might be strong, standing strong in Jesus in, in face of our struggle with spirit, the spiritual forces of evil. But actually, telling the gospel is a way of being strong in the Lord. Now, we're not going to go through every piece of the arm now. Uh, it's a very good thing to do in your own time, and I thoroughly recommend it. <laughs> uh, I've written actually a study uh, for this passage for our growth groups that you're more than welcome to grab off me to go through uh, a bit deeper uh, into the details of this passage, if that helps. But please note that in all the armour that God's given us, it's what we have in Christ and in his might that we can be sure we'll win. We'll win in our fight to stand strong in Jesus as we struggle against the spiritual forces of evil in this world. But I do want to finish where Paul does uh, with this armour. And it's in verse 18. He says, And pray 
in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. To stand firm in our fight against the devil and his minions, we we need to pray. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, pray for people to be set free from the devil's ways. Pray for ourselves to be on guard against the devil's schemes. Pray for all the saints, that is, all believers in Jesus, that they would be alert to the devil's schemes. Pray that we'd all be strengthened in Jesus. Recently, I've been finding it really helpful to to spend the first half hour after I wake up just reading a psalm and reading a verse at a time from Romans and turning those verses from the Psalms and from Romans into prayers that I write down for myself and for others. That's been really helpful for me. Uh, Maybe you've got a different way or a different system to praying. Maybe you don't. But uh, the simple fact is, Paul thinks to stand against the devil's schemes is to be praying regularly. There's an old 1980s uh, Christian band called Petra, and uh, one of their songs is about prayer. It's called Get On Your Knees and Fight Like a Man. I know that's cheesy, uh, but I reckon it captures something of what Paul's talking about here. Uh, to stand firm and fight in our struggle against the spiritual forces of evil, we need to pray. Now, I know the application for most uh, sermons is either read the Bible, uh, or live out your faith, or talk about Jesus, or pray. Paul's got all of them here. (laughs) And I'm sure we'd all say, yes, yes, we should all do those things more. But maybe we need to hear again why. It's so that we stand firm in Jesus in our struggle against the devil and the spiritual forces of evil. Earlier this week I was listening to a report on uh, the new Omicron uh, COVID strain and I uh, wondered how much fight we've got in, a, in us if we need to do another round of restrictions. Anyone feel that? But then I thought, you know, COVID's not our biggest struggle. Our greatest struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil in this world. Forces that would seek to rob us of the rich life that God promises us in Jesus, whose resources are limitless, in whom we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, and who has given us his armour, so that we might be strong in him, so that we might be strengthened in him now, as we inevitably will struggle against the spiritual forces of evil. So... Knowing Christ has ultimately won the victory for us and will one day give us eternal rest, let's fight. Let's fight on, daily putting on God's armour. I'm going to pray that we would do that now. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your immense and wonderful goodness and kindness to us in Jesus, that in Christ you have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That though we were dead, spiritual zombies, you have made us alive in Christ and you have given us your Holy Spirit. You snatched us out of the realm of darkness and brought us into the realm of your Son, whom you love. And you want us to be strong in him as we fight now against the devil, his schemes and the spiritual forces of evil in this world that we may not see but are there. 
Please help us to be strong in Christ with the armour that you have given us. Help us to appropriate the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ, that we have the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sandals of the gospel and the sword of the Spirit. Help us to know what these are and to love them and to use them to stand strong in Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.